Welcome to another episode of Soul Searches. My name is Cole. I will be your host for today. I would like to introduce today's guest, Jarvis Johnson. Jarvis, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Cole. How great you doing? Man. Great to have you, man. So Jarvis, Thank I got I gotta let you, I gotta let everybody know, man. I gotta let everybody know. Please do. Rutgers University. Rutgers University is in the house. All day, that's the RU. We got that, you know. How far we go, man? House, man. Um, I definitely got to show some love to that first RU on the on the, yes, on the podcast. So, um, so soul searches. We um, our mission here is to connect the soul stories of athletes, investors, and ownership. And so, I I'm excited to have this conversation with Jarvis Johnson today. He is a native of the Sunnyside State of Florida. Uh, shout out to Liberty City. Um, and then he from Liberty City, he, he worked his way up and found his way up north to Jersey, um, Rutgers University, man. And so uh, if you don't know, if you can't know, if you don't know by now, I also went to Rutgers University. So we we definitely gonna spend a little bit of time, you know, talking about our time in, uh, in New Brunswick, man. So, and then after yes, that, he found his way uh, to, to the Baltimore Ravens for a short stint. And after that, he, he found himself in coaching um, several NCAA teams, went back to the U, to Miami, uh, where he's his hometown. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, before we get into a lot of his background, uh, I just want to do a, a quick wellness check-in, man, see how things are going with you and see where you are right now, man. So how you doing? Man, I'm doing phenomenal. Um, just living life with blessings and being a blessing to others just with the platform that I've been able to uh, kind of been guided, but also I, I took initiative initiative with my self-work and uh, with my holistic approach to self, man, the spirituality, then therefore I could be more of a resource to others. So I've been, I've been great, man. I know it impacted a lot of us during this time, but these are yet promising times. And my faith was always huge as the biggest yacht that you see out here. But um, other than that, how you doing on this end? I'm going to ask you that before we start and how your family making up. Man, I appreciate you. Um, I'm doing well, man. I'm in a great space. I feel I'm, uh, I'm balanced in, in, in the areas of uh, emotional, uh, physical, mental, and spiritual. My family is in a good space as well. This is uh, mm-hmm. February, uh, February 2021, so this is a big birthday month for my family so i got a lot of love um to give to my family this month shout out to my nephew my mom and my sister and my god sister so it's a it's a lot of love um for what's going on this month for for my family man so i appreciate you asking not a problem man that's that's a blessing right there itself alone to hear that man we got our birthdays all scattered out throughout so it, it with this big family we have man it's my granddaddy and grandma had 13 children so that's it tell you right there my no, mama had six and my nieces, now my nieces and nephews got kids out here now. So I'm living like a great uncle right now. Nah, that's a beautiful thing, man. That's a beautiful thing. So you you down in Florida right now? Where you, where you, where you reside? Right now, yes, I still currently reside in Florida, you know, still in Miami, but also have business ventures and other territories that I manage companies and also have um, a few properties in those in the upstate area, in the tri-state area, in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Okay, okay, we're gonna come back to that. But I, I definitely, oh, yeah. I definitely want to start off, man. And I want to, I want to know how someone, you know, who, who raised in Florida, found their way up to New Brunswick, New Jersey. From the era of the Cosiano era, um, I was being recruited at University of Miami as well, when which was making the transition out to uh, Cleveland Browns. Um, Coach Ciano and Coach Cristobal was at University of Miami at the time. And once that transition for those guys took place with the um, in the coaching industry, I, I I believe he just said um, he wanted to he didn't he passed out on an opportunity as a head coach at University of Miami to go back to um, New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I think Coach Ciano is from the state of New Jersey, and he just wanted to go back to his hometown and coach. And so he just continued to recruit me and stayed in contact with me and my family um, during that time. And 
at the end of it all, man, I just wanted to allow my mother when, in that recruiting process to choose my, my college due to some of my, my self-negligence and some of the times when I was in some, some, um, put myself in some bad positions as a juvenile. So I said, mama, I can't repay you for staying in my corner, coming to courts. I was on trial, on probation my senior year in high school. So she was there. Um, so a lot of coaches was too. Coach Shiona was one of them that came to court and all that and made sure that everything was the way it should be at, as, as a, a minor to, to still be recruited and go to college to further my education and also my athletic gifts. So I told my mom, mama, I'll let you choose my college or university, whichever one you think is the best for me. Um, go ahead. And that was the honor I could give her um, before I was able to do other things in her life as a child. But um, right there was uh, my biggest repayment to her because that was my biggest accomplishment at the time when I was uh, a minor making that transition from the street life into the educational world, man, in the athletic world, I should say as well. So, I, I, I pray every day for um, the things that she taught me and the things that she embedded in my spirit and also in my life, because those those same things, those same prayers, those same Bible verses, I still recite them. I still still repeat them, and I'm here today. So that's why um, I ended up allowing her to select my college, and it was Rutgers University because of the relationship that Coach Yano was building with her, and he was informing her that he was going to be taking that role. I, I wasn't aware of it until the last minute. And, you know, from there, I was kind of shocked when she made that decision because it was in the state of New Jersey when I had other opportunities. But like I said, that was the only way I could repay her. So there it was right there. You know, I ain't, I ain't think nothing of it. I just wanted to make the best of it while I was there. Now that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful story right there, man. Um, <laughs> Mom, dudes always looking out. They always have our best interests in heart. Um, you know it. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful thing, man. What, what um, when you got to campus, what, what, what interests you in, in academics and your education? So, what did you major in? My undergrad was in law, administration of justice there, and I pursued the further my education and psychology. I have a MS in counseling, and that was from Tiffin University. So I really, my original major at Rutgers University was psychology, um, but doing the changes, I'll say, just to keep it positive, those academic advisors. So it was best if I choose something more like administration of justice that fit my personality or it fit my language of law, uh, understanding the system, to be a part of the system, to contribute to the system in a positive way. So I guess they were feeling like, well, psychology had a very extensive background of rigorous education and administration of justice was a little bit flexible to me missing classes and missing exams. And so they just felt I should take that track, uh, needless to say. Nah, I from an that. academic standpoint, from an academic standpoint. Yeah, nah, I get that. One question I do have as we, you know, as we take a deeper dive into this interview, what what motivated you to further your education? You said you you went to pursue, um, you said you went you pursued a higher education. Yeah, um, and that was in psychology because I wanted to understand the the cognitive side of myself in the beginning because I was in one of the disciplinary programs during my time in the NFL, you know, and I, I won't go into too much depth of that situation, but I wanted to identify, cope, and develop mechanisms that I, that I would need. And during the time I was being seen, both counselors and psychologists that they was putting in front of me felt that I should pursue the field because they said that every time I come in, they end up telling me their problems, their issues, their dilemmas in life. So I should find a way to get back into that lane because I, that was one of my original um, goals, academic goals, was to be a sports psychologist. And it was altered a little because of the stress, the depression, um, 
the the release, the, the being brought back to the team, and you know just the ups and downs, the inst- the instability of finances, and that started to bother me. And also trying to perform at the highest level, they kind of say, I say, I right, well. When Ozzie Newsom told me they stole me off the market, I didn't know what that meant as a rookie, but then I started to realize the business aspect of the NFL. So the passion and the fun was kind of being drove even even a little bit deeper inside of me to, to dig deep. But I also started to wake up and realize that, hey, man, this is a reality. So I'm going to take advantage of all these resources they got, too. You ain't going to play me like I'm a sucker or something like that. I said, I'm going to... Um, I like candy. I saw candy too. So, so what I did was I started going through NFL programs that was educational and it was awarded to me. You know, I was selected for certain programs and I took advantage of that lane. And I think that, that kind of helped push and motivate me more to further my education because I wanted to be a resource uh, for myself to be able to provide to my family and also my peers and my my players and my, my homeboys, just everyone that was around me in my circle. So I wanted to increase my knowledge, my awareness, my understanding for treating individuals, for listening effectively, um, to be able to solve problems for people and organizations. And that's, I think that was my lane, you know what I mean? So th- that was more so around it. You know, it was more so me wanting to help others be more of an insight type of person in regards of the talkative type I was more of a listener. I used my ears and my third eye. So I, I moved with my heart. I, I definitely I definitely can receive that. It's, inter- it's interesting to hear you say that you were sitting down with the counselors and, and they started opening up and sharing their, their, their stories and problems with you. That's definitely yeah. uh, my eye-opening experience and, and letting you know that you have a gift as well. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, many of... That's the saying that we you heard before, and I'm pretty sure our listeners also. Many are called and few are chosen. Um, and my cousin one day we was talking, and I, I I explained to him there's truly no difference between the ones that's called and chosen. The difference is that I would say is the ones that's chosen they actually hear their calling, and the ones that's called why when those are the ones that's chosen. So you see. It's pretty no, there's no big difference there besides who can really hear and react to and take action on what God's calling you to do. And that's finding your purpose in life. That's, that's to me, I, I like to simplify everything I can from personal development all the way to cognitive, you know, um, therapy. So I felt like it was a part of me, but it was overshadowed of me by, you know, staying focused trying to make sure that things at home is taken care of, making sure I can make the team roster, you know, just putting in that grit, that grit, that grind, all that, you know, blood, sweat, and tears that you already know um, and you're experiencing your time as well. So I just felt like it was the best thing for myself to do so I could stay productive in life. I didn't want to take a, I didn't want it to take a negative toll on me because a lot of, a lot of my teammates that I saw, getting the same type of treatment or being in those same type of situations or dilemmas or challenges, I'll say challenges, which became a barrier, but the barriers now are just stepping stones. But at that time, you don't want to hear all that. You like, man, I'm better than buddy right here. So why ain't playing? Why y'all going to look at my attitude, my, my, my aggression, my, my, my what, what is it that's putting me in this dark space? So I guess, you know, it took a lot for me to understand that because of, the aggression that I was coming up with. You know, I lost my brother at an early age and I think that had something to do with it to why I wasn't disciplined at the right time because it wasn't, it wasn't treated. And that's, and a lot of kids suffer with that, you know, but I don't, that wasn't my excuse. It wasn't nothing for it. It was my actions and my behavior that I took ownership of. And I respect the NFL for allowing me to make a transformation and allowing me to, you know, learn from my mistakes before it was too late. I wanna, I wanna take this moment to rewind back to your journey from Rutgers to the NFL. And you, you touched on something earlier about Ozzy, um, Ozzy mentioning that he stole you off the market. I want you to kind of go into your story about how you, you got found your way to Baltimore and what that quote means to you. 
it meant to me that we got you off the draft, undrafted, when you should have been drafted, for a low price. That's what it meant. <laughs> Damn, man, that shit makes sense now. Um, I'm sorry for cursing my man. Please edit that. It's a free space, man. But now that you asked me that, that's a great question because that's you made me really think about what it meant to me. I ain't never think about what it meant to me. I just heard him say it. And then I said, all right, I know my role then. Mm. And he said to me, okay, well, you're going to be a great role player because we love what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? So it was just some other areas that I needed to tighten up in that I didn't have that that guidance because football wasn't my dream. I, you know, if they say we're here to make money, I was already making money. So that wasn't, I wasn't there for that. They try to pigeonhole a lot of players, but some players don't have that, 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 that limelight or that, um, those, that, that marketable, that marketable guy on the team. You know, I ain't that marketable guy on the team. So I was, I was a, a pistol. So I was speaking my mind and I wasn't, and I wasn't supposed to be speaking my mind at the time because I didn't, I wasn't drafted. They said so. You can't say this, Jarvis. You can't do this, Jarvis. You well, you're not drafted. You're you undrafted. So you you got to play a different ball game. Well, I didn't take. The, I didn't really appreciate the approach um, at the time. And you know, it wasn't nothing bad. I just felt like it was. I was going through. It was me. I was the problem. Not not the organization. Um, not the coaches. Not the not the leadership not the players, it was Jarvis. So I had to deal with my own actions and I had to deal with my own behaviors at the end of the day. You know, I was born alone, I'm going to die alone. So I was always a man before I was a man. And I thought back then, just by me having that attitude made me a man, but it really didn't. Yeah, it just made me lose sight of my goals, lose sight of my vision. So I'm very thankful that I was able to get, you know, get led or driven to the right direction because it took that for me to understand life. So that's what it meant to me when he told me that. Yeah. So I guess, I guess what I would ask you now to follow up from that statement is knowing what you know now, what is some advice that you would give to yourself um, in that rookie year after you were undrafted? Oh, you can't, even though, you know, I was projected and from, second to, to five, you know, I, I fell into that trap. I, I started believing in the projections. And also another thing I would tell myself not to believe in projections and at that, you know, in this, in the industry, especially when you're underclassmen. And then on top of that, um, focus more on where you want to go and where you want to be. I was one foot in with football and one foot out. So if you're going to be all in, like we know it takes to be all in because I know I wasn't all in. I was focusing on other things in life, more so real, real life attributes to the city of Miami. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I had a place of belonging to the city of Miami and you know, my mind structure wasn't there because Miami is pretty much a place where money is a major issue. So if I was already making money, money ain't my thing. Like I ain't worrying about money while I'm here because I wanted more money, but I wasn't expecting to lower my standards for money. I wasn't selling my soul for money. And I felt like I had to sell my soul after a certain amount of sit downs and that kind of pushed me off to that end of, all right, well, I don't know what you guys want me to do. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, I'm not that, I'm not him. I'm not this person. I am Jarvis Johnson and that's who I'm going to be. So I would tell myself now, understand your resources, understand the hands that's trying to help you, understand the people that's trying to help you and allow them to do that. No, that's that's the only thing I would change because it wasn't my athletic ability. I was a gangster from the start of it, so that wasn't it. It was just my attitude, me being in the discipline program, and, you know, the off-field actions that, you know what I'm saying, that a lot of players face. So it really ain't no thing, man. You know what I'm saying? This is why I do what I do today because I want to catch guys like myself out there before they, before they get caught up too much into one for the end, one for the out, or 
if that same type of attitude or these same type of issues come up, at least I can provide a solution to be able to help them manage those emotions, those behaviors, those actions, those thoughts, because that become your character. And when all of that became my character, my image wasn't the same image no more. They looked at me totally different, you know. Um, of course, I probably let a few people down. Um, and I apologize, though. So one thing about me, I did apologize, you know. So I, I went back. I called. I showed my presence. I showed my face. And I apologized like a true person would or should. I, I went and I apologized, literally said, I'm sorry for me conducting myself this way. Those was my words. So I went back and I was, you know, shook hands and everything was still good. You know, business was still conducted. It just wasn't the the type of business that you know, who you thought it would be. So yeah, man, that's just how life goes. I'm I'm not a, I'm, I wasn't one of those guys that, you know, I felt like football was my everything. You know, I would never get on TV and say, and throw up a football, have a football in my book bag or walk around the hood with my book bag with a football or in my hand. No, I wasn't that guy. You know, my peers was the ones that even asked me to play on their football team. My coaches recruited me, literally came to my doors at an early age recruiting me for football. So I didn't see the severity at the time because to me it still was nothing. It was just a hobby, man. That was my way of just channeling my aggression. I I could knock somebody out, you know, not in a bad way, but just from the defensive side of the ball, you know how that, that how that talk go. Um and it's all football related. Uh, you know, I could use that on the football field, running through someone with no stop, you know, and I'm still in straight stride. Like how you do that? How how you a natural born hitter? Causing fumbles, I'm getting interceptions, returning for touchdowns. That was just hobby like that was fun for me. because um, when I get when I'm done with practice, I'm going to the street life. I'm going straight back to the city and I'm out there like, like it ain't nothing. Chilling with the people that I probably wasn't supposed to be chilling with at an early age and also still in my youth to young adulthood, you know, it still wasn't how I should have been living, man. That's all. Um, so that's why I mean by being one for in and one for that. You can't, you got to make a decision. You know what I'm saying? When you commit to being a football player on any level, D1, and that transition to the pro is really thin. So, I was just fortunate, man. You know what I'm saying? I was just living like whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm here, I'm here. If I'm not, I'm not. I'm still finna make mine. That was my mentality. So I had to switch and transform my mentality before I can even start seeing what success looked like because it wasn't no, it wasn't about no accolades because I had accomplished so many accolades at Rutgers. That wasn't the thing. Throughout the Big East, that wasn't the thing. You know, All-Americans and Brunsko and Gert, the Gursky Award candidate, which is one of the best defenders, is the best defender in National Collegiate Association of Football. So, hey, man, these are just, I was just like, hey, it is what it is, man. But at the end of the day, I just never was there mentally, man. I knew I was struggling. And as I was struggling mentally, it kind of projected my image. And that only gets you so far in life. So I had to um, really. <laughs> do a 365 transformation. Nah, you touched on you touched on a lot, man. I, first of all, I want to commend you on owning up to your behavior um, at that time and, and recognizing that you, you know, that you that you weren't in the space, um, you know, to, to 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 move forward with your actions the way that you did, and for you to you know own up to to your, those mistakes. That is a that's a positive uh, characteristic. For, for a CEO, you know, saying to take ownership for for your actions because we're not always going to get it right. We're human. We're not always going to get it right, but we have to understand. We have to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and be like, okay, this is where I fell short, and these are the people that you know are affected by that. Let me own up to that. And so I commend you for doing that. And you also talked about um, the importance of focus and having one foot in, one foot out. Uh, that that definitely is something that is critical uh, as you continue to elevate um, at each level of business. If you can remember when your time in the locker room that you spent, uh, was there any player on or off the field that you looked up to? And, and could you give me a reason why? Man, I was in the secondary full of Hall of Famers, man, and also like real gangsters, you know what I'm saying? 
the Hall of Famers, man, you know, I'll go to those guys and they'll come to me like, hey, Jay, boy, you look good out there. You need to tighten up though with your attitude. <laughs> and I just laugh. I'll be like, damn, I was like, for real, like what I did. Nah, bro, I don't think Coach like what you said. I'm like, oh, well, he won't come to me and holler at me, though? Mm. Nah, nah, man, no, it don't work like that. So, you know, say it was, it was those guys, man, like everybody, man. I, I Everybody on, in the secondary, man. Was Reed Yeah, Ed yeah, Reed? he was there. Yeah, B.J. Ward, you know, Chad Williams, Will Demps, so Marty Rowe, Chris McAllister, Deion Sanders. Prime, we know Prime always looked that. Prime always let me know. Hey, Jay, baby, you tell me just like that. Jay, hey, man, telling you. Look, hey, you got to get it right, man. You just got to get it right. Come on, man. You got to stay out of it. Yeah, so, you know, stay off of that. But um, it was all collaborative efforts, man, amongst that group, man. And you see our, our name there, Chris McAllister. Uh, Dale Carter, man. So that's everybody right there. And we was packed tight. And then we had some other guys that's non-positional that also showed love, you know, from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, from the D-line to the linebackers. I mean, I was really just uh, a team player. You know what I'm saying? I knew my role, and I embraced it. And they knew that. But I just had some things that I needed to tighten up on that I, I felt like was a problem, you know. Some things that were supposed to kept confidential wasn't. And that, and that kind of shot me. Like, how y'all going to switch on me when things are supposed to be confidential? And it's in the paperwork, but I ain't bring my lawyer to the table and try to bring no other type of negligence or no type of confusion. So I felt betrayed, you know? So when you feel betrayed, you, you, what you going to do when you feel betrayed, everybody respond differently. And I felt like my Miami ways came out of me during that time. And that's when I know that, um, I had to realize that it's like the mob right here, <laughs> boy, you told me you, so you better chill. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't defeat that like that by myself. So that those guys, man, I, I love them all, man. They all showed love. They all was in my corner support of. But knew even the coaches, my positional coaches as well. So the head coach uh, and the coordinators, you know, I, I had a relationship with so many, man. And it wasn't my playing ability again. It was just my off the field issues. That's all. You know what I mean? And, that's why I was in that disciplinary program. You feel me? It ain't you don't get no disciplinary program for your full of play. You know what I'm saying? That's more off field related. So it's still there. They still got the program. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't it ain't nothing new. But it's just I like to make sure I can educate and make guys aware of your first chance, man, could be your last chance. And those opportunities don't come that often. So I'll tell myself, my future self, that. And now I get the chance to tell that to my rookies, man, second year, third year, four-year players, man, and all the players I work with from, again, Hall of Famers and all, man, veterans in the game. So, but now we talk about different things. We talk about post-secondary education, career education, outreach, academic, uh, like, type of technology formats, um, you know, developing businesses. And, you know, we're talking about different things now, greater things in life, you know, utilizing life skills transferable skills, social skills, communication skills, um, through business development, partnerships, collaborations, community-based initiatives, just future projects all the way from right now to 2051. You know what I'm saying? So I'm on projects like that, corporate style, and I live for this. And now I love it because this always been me. Entrepreneurship always been Jarvis Johnson. But I was overshadowed with the sport, man. That took a lot of took a lot of my time dedicating and committing. You know, I still was efficient with my numbers. You know, I ain't never got that twisted. And I never um, seen myself as a loser. I was always winning. You know, I was always in a position to allow my team to win. You know, I was always doing my 111th because my numbers was speaking for themselves. But as a team, I felt like I was letting the team down there we would lose the game, being a captain or in the college level and not in the high school level, you know. So it was just one of those things where I felt like everybody in the locker room, man, played a part in helping develop me as a person, man. And 
I always, when I rub elbows with these guys again, and when we all link up, you know, we do things intentionally. Sometimes we have NFL events and conferences um, or resorts or all type of, you know, the, the, the programs that they still promote and they, they allow us to have through our benefits. And we just sit back and kick it and reminisce, man. You know what I'm saying? Like Super Bowl ventures or Pro Bowl ventures, we all link up, man, and just we kick it like real G's would. Of course, that sounds beautiful. That sounds beautiful. Take me to a time when you first realized your first introduction to business outside of your professional career. When I was 12 years old, I had two book bags. I used to sell pencils, candy, paper, erasers, chopsticks, uh, I was down there selling everything, man. My second book bag. So I was 12 years old, this business. Now, this is truly entrepreneurship. I was going to school with maybe two or three dollars, and I was leaving with maybe about $50, $75, Monday through Friday. And my second book bag, but my first book bag, you know, you got your books in there, your workbooks, your worksheets. You know what I'm saying? All your school supplies and also utilizing the locker. When I utilized the locker, that's what gave me more space to <laughs> create more revenue. And that's the first time I was open to business. But then career transitioning from in, the, in adulthood, I'll say right when I did the um, coaching, uh, when, I, when I transitioned from coaching to entrepreneurship, and right then and there, as a professional, that's when I understood what um, business one-on-one looked like because I started to focus on helping clients. And my clients became organizations, individuals. So whatever organization that would employ me, that was a client of mine. And whatever individual that would employ me, meaning my independent coaching that I was doing and um, my clinician that I was doing, being a clinician, that became business to me when I was able to help clients and also organizations to solve some of their problems that was uh, establishing the evaluations. So that's when I think I started to realize what um, business one-on-one truly was when you when I created it a company around it, you know, legitimately. Um, we're having an attorney that walked me through the process and having the CPA and the CFP that that was well-trusted through our capital advisors lane. And that's when I really started to understand what investors do and what donations is about and what contributions are and 501c3, LLCs, INCs, sole proprietorships, um, foreign exchange, international exchange, that's when I really, that's really what I should have studied when I was in undergrad. But again, I was limited, you know what I'm saying? And I, I didn't like that. You know I said? I still had problems being limited in college, man. That, that made me mad too. Um, you know, I'm like, damn, like I ain't even played my senior year in high school and I'm still going through stuff. Like I had to beat this trial as a senior in high school, come to college and you people still putting limitations on you. Like, I am, man, I just wasn't, I was like, damn, like, I come all the way up north and I'm still facing stuff. I thought that was going to change, but it didn't. So it kind of made me feel like, man, I ain't never conflict-free. I just got to live this type of life. And then I said, all right, well, I bought into it. And the research will tell us that whatever the mind focuses on, that's what you will experience. So do you think these institutions prepared you um, for life after? You kind of talked about the limitations you faced. Oh, hell yeah. What? I was so ready. Oh, Rutgers is the best. Yeah. We're about one of the most prestigious colleges and universities in the world. Everybody know about Rutgers University, but I was in Europe. I went to the University of London over there just to chill and hang out. Faculty members was like, oh, you attended Rutgers University. I was like, um, yes, you know about that? They knew exactly where it was at on the map. So you know. Yeah. It was a very prestigious school and also state to state, man. Everywhere I went in different states, they knew about Rutgers. And, you know, so I was like, 
Well, just they brand alone had helped me understand what branding was, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, just to understand diversity, because, you know, at Rutgers yourself, you know your experiences there. All throughout College Avenue to Douglas campus, man, all to Livingston campus, you know it's yes, diverse. So, you know it was one thing that we're going to really take from RU, but you're going to take that diversity. I don't care who you are. You're going to take diversity a long way with you. And I know I took that. That prepared me for the real world of investors, um, the real world of wealth management. You know, it, that that part, it truly was no discretions for me at all because I knew it was going to be some value. That's why I wanted to go back and finish. I was like, see, I'm not finna leave Rutgers without getting a diploma or, I mean, a degree from them. So, I think I was prepared. Definitely, definitely. I was prepared. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I want to touch back to uh, your early your early stories of, um, you know, being involved in as an entrepreneur. And if you can kind of touch on some of the myths that, you know, that, that kind of go around with being an entrepreneur that, that you that you kind of want to take some time to just kind of debunk. Well, to me, what my thing was um, I just wanted to solve problems. You know, I didn't know I can, I went out one kid. It was many pillars and faucets and sectors to how I wanted to do that. And, you know, it started with my thoughts again, just revamping and rejuvenating and just recreating myself and my, my whole entire mind. Um, so I started to write more. Um, and as I started to write, I just thought I was writing to myself or journaling. But as I was writing, I was writing about others and how would I contribute to someone's happiness? How would I contribute to someone's um, awareness and their experiences? And I felt like I might as well customize what I really wanted to do. So that's when I started to redesign. And I wrote my life out. I literally wrote it on paper. And then from paper, I looked at it and transferred that to the computer. And then from the computer, I started to dissect what's the mission, what's the purpose, what's the passion, um, who is my market, who am I serving, who am I delivering the service to, why are these programs being developed, why am I talking about them, who I'm going to pitch them to. And from there, man, I just connected with the right community builders and I started to share how I wanted to add public value locally, nationally, and internationally through education and sports and also film and production. They all have a correlation. And once I figured out they all had a correlation, that's what made me go hard. You know, I went back to school for certifications and entrepreneurship, um, accounting and finance. And that's when I was started to learn the business side of it from the, the uh, paperwork of what business really looks like, not just the sound of it or the, the just the, mon the, the monetary value that entrepreneurship can bring and what, what someone think of at times. When you hear entrepreneurship, you, you're on your own time, you're on your own self, you're on your own clock, you, you're on your own company. But you also have to build that brand. You also have to collaborate with other institutions and organizations and also companies, whether it's a nonprofit or INCs, Fortune 500, or even um, Fortune 400 companies. You know, it, it takes a lot of legwork, and once you get the legwork and the momentum kind of out of the way, creating that civic engagement, I think that's when um, you can have these shared missions amongst others that have business like mine or have that same similar passion or purpose in life that's drawn through conversation, open dialogue, discussions. Um, just the the network that we all have, we can utilize that network um, because little do we know a business is within our cell phones. Um, if we really look at them and see who all have names and titles and positions, <laughs> that should be everybody in your phone. If it ain't like a child, you know what I'm saying? A, a, a cousin that, uh, or a relative, I should say that we all understand the, the age level and the factors and the position that everyone holds in life. You know, all have to be the same, but we all know someone 
that know someone. So as I was going through it, man, I, I felt like coaching wasn't enough for me on a collegiate level because my mom had passed in 2014 and she was telling me that I'll be impacting lives and saving souls and contributing to the world. And it wasn't going to be just through coaching, football coaching. And I didn't know what she meant in 2014, but now I do. So again, you know, it always took something for me, you know, for me, and I can speak for myself only. It took something for me to lose in order to gain. And sometimes that's a part of our story. So entrepreneurship for me was always to help others, to see other others happy, to see them in the best position of awareness, advocate for the impoverished, create economic integration in communities there where it's a need. Um, and I think every industry have a space for everybody. So we just got to tap into that industry and know which one it is to capitalize. Man, you're truly dropping some gems right there, man. And I thank you for just being so transparent and continuing to share your story. What is a um, what is a what is a time when you realized that you needed to understand the language of business? You know how we talk about uh, football terminology, understanding cover two, uh -huh. cover three. Your average person doesn't know what how to yep, yep. leverage. Uh huh. So yeah, tell me a time when you needed to understand the language of business. Um, 2018, uh, when I first started Connect the Gap, and you see it is what it is, Connect the Gap. You see, I really wanted to connect the gap. So that also, I had to connect that gap for myself too, <laughs> to be honest. So I was still working on myself at the same time that I was working for others. So I wanted to collaborate with others. I wanted to create an LLC at, um, that would partner with community builders that, that had those those um, thematic, thematic focuses um, with a plan that can be executed and in the roles of who bring what to the table, who bring what value to the company, um, what role fits each other's personalities, who's greater with a, with a greater strength than the other in one area. And then, of course, that person's network, but also net worth, because the net worth also allows you to understand who can bring what potential spot, uh, sponsor, partner, donor, um, just memorabilia, or anything that brings value and worth to a company. So when I was able to do that back in 2018, that's when I really had to learn the vernacular. I really had to learn the understanding of what business truly meant. And man, like I, I went back to going to school uh, for certification programs, like I said, I started reading more books. Uh, I started associating with, with gurus in the industry that wanted to mentor me. And they was like, hey man, Jarvis, we love you this, we love that about you. Why don't you like? Well, yeah, man, mentor me there, man. I want to be a multimillionaire too. You know, help me get done. And then I'll then I'll be a billionaire like you too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, but this is the process, Josh. So share it with me. All right, well, let's go. And I started learning, man. I just really started to listen again. You know, I became an ongoing learner. And I think I think as a, that just like that child simplistic way of becoming a student again to learn. You'll see how much you actually missed out on life, or you're going to learn how to add more value to your life. Because, because it's just like net worth. We all should know our net worth at some point in our life. It's no rush, you know what I'm saying? No individual got to have a, a set standard of age. But I knew for me, my granddaddy was an entrepreneur. He had a mechanic shop and a um, gospel choir and a law service. My mama was a pastor, and she also had a um, beauty supply store in the neighborhood, you know, so entrepreneurship was just all in our family. My uncles was doing their things. Uh, my auntie was a teacher and she also had a side business on the side to add to teaching. So network only is your, your assets and minusing your liabilities to create a network. So I felt like that's something that took my interest so reading books was something that I, I was very 
fond of because that was another hobby of mine, not just football, but also reading books was a hobby of mine too, uh, along with all the active day-to-day type of activities with the fast type, you know, like skydiving and jet skiing and, you know, doing those type of things. That was just for my, 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 um, my adrenaline. But it's just like exercising. You have to exercise your brain as well as you exercise your physicality. So when I started to learn the language of business, I went back to school. I started reading books and I started learning from the gurus um, in the industry, other entrepreneurs, other CEOs, um, other directors or other management level roles that was helping me throughout my journey. And it's been a short period, but I'm starting to finish, but I also already have a starting line at the finish line when I get there. So I just want to continue to grow and go. Man, you touched on a lot, man. The one thing that you keep that sounds like it's a common denominator is understanding the value of relationships, understanding um, that your network is your net worth. And so I definitely um, I, I definitely know that somebody who's listening is going to take that and run with it, at least that I, at least that I can hope. Um, and you talked a little bit about your interest in film and production kind of kind of sparked with, you know, you starting to sit down and, and write your story out. What are you doing now in the film and production space? Oh man. Well, I'm a producer of Beyond the Game Film, uh, which is a a thrill to be a part of uh, my executive director and producer, Susan Sumber. She was um, telling me years ago as one of my representatives that she would call me on a project in the future. She's now, she's 25 plus in the game. So she's a guru in the film and production industry, especially in the documentary lane. And when she told me that, I was like, well, I want to be able to bring value to the project. I want to be able to bring some substance to behind the scenes. So as a producer, my role was to bring together those relationships that you said I was harnessing, in other words. So I brought so many players to the project, current players, former players, Hall of Famers, NFL Alumni Association um, members and the CEOs. And I was just really going hardcore because I felt like it was divine just to um, partner with her and be called upon, you know, and again, like I said earlier, to solve problems. And I said, well, where do you see I fit in? And once she broke it down for me, like going over the playbook again, but instead of her being a coach, she was more like the general manager. So, and I was the coach. So that relationship just continued to develop and I started to learn more. She was sending me more resources to understand it. And we interviewed over a hundred professional athletes, also college student athletes at the time when it was, in college and now in the NFL, but we it wasn't just NFL content. It's NBA, WNBA, um, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, boxers, champions too, um, Olympians, you know, track stars, man. I mean, from everybody, caliber people, man. And I felt like when I understood it, I just ran with it, man, and did the best that I could do, and we continue to pick up momentum. And we're just expanding to magazines and over 65,000 plus that's published that will be boomed out to the sports industry, AFCA, NCAA, NFL, NBA, like all of those professional organizations in America and also some international with, you know, with MLS because, you know, soccer is huge in other countries. So I just felt like it was my time to answer the call. And I was working my craft the whole time. And that's by me having a large network. And I brought those guys that I was serving to the project. You know what I'm saying? So when I was serving guys through either career transition and continuing education or the mental health aspect through the NFL Players Association, my database just grew enormously. And I was asking those guys before I even started this, Hey, man, what you going to be doing in two years, bro? 
what you're gonna be doing in five years, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like after we get that, we get we saw, but we have to solve, get them going in the right direction on their path and their journey. I was still finding mine, but I was learning in the same time and I wasn't giving up because I knew it's gonna it was for me it was gonna take going an extra mile or two. Sometimes I it's like when we talk to others and communicate with others, why don't you listen for an extra minute or two? I'm the one that be saying that in my head because I'm generally consciously doing it because that's what helped me listen effectively to be able to solve problems. So as a producer, man, I, it fit who I am as a DB. It fit my personality as a person. It fit my heart as a human being. And now I'm gaining to co-executive status. You know what I mean? Cause I've been working that hard to get there. So to be awarded that is an accomplishment and stuff alone, but this is just how it all started. And like I said, I had to humble myself and realize that you better listen with your heart instead of hearing what you hearing what you see. Because I was seeing a lot, man, and hearing a lot. But if that wasn't the positive things that I needed to see and it wasn't the positive things I needed to hear. And that junk was sitting in my soul, sitting in my spirit, and started affecting my performance. And I didn't want that for my life anymore, man. I had to change my whole circle. Um, not my homeboys, you know what I'm saying? Not the jits, not the jits, but just as a man, you know, then I started to understand who what manhood really is. Or when my granddad used to teach me all this stuff, my mom and my dad, my dad was supported in Haiti. That's another, that's a whole another story. So it just goes to show that I had to gravitate to a positive figure because Dobbs was going to make his decision rather it was considerably bad or good, but he who believes in what he believes in, no one can determine what's bad or good. And that toleration is not in America. I'm going to say that. So it's either you bad or you good. They can remember all the bad things you've done and you could do one good thing. They still don't remember that. But when you do a lot of good in this world and then you do one bad thing, man, they're going to remember that bad thing after all the good. You see how the table don't work? But it is what it is. So I think as a producer, man, it just fit who I am, man. I'm a people's portion person. I'm very relatable. I can relate to anybody that's pretty much walking, man. So comes with diversity, experience, love, compassion, caring for others, and listening. You know, and like I said, just solving problems was something that I really stood about to be solution-based instead of problem-oriented. Mm. Mm. There it is, another gem. I hope y'all listening, man. There it is, another gem. Um, Jarvis, I, I, I thank you, man, for continuing to just open up and share your stories. We get ready to to wrap this up. Um, yes, sir. I know, I know you've had several investments. You talked about um, real estate um, investments up north that you still have, and I'm sure that you've experienced. Um, you know, so many deals come across your desk at certain times. I want to, I want you to talk about two things. I want you to share a story about a time where you lost a significant amount of money and what lessons did you take away from that experience? And then also how important is that's tied into this, the two part question, how important is it to do the due, due diligence process um, when it comes to analyzing that deal? And that due diligence process is, is almost like, a scouting report and we get that scouting yep. report and, uh -huh. you know, that week that week of game week and you get you get all the details of who's on the other team and 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 the, and, and yeah so go in go in a little bit about that uh you know it's a it is a in that lane man it, it's like the land of sharks you know everyone is considerably a shark with wealth um, so in wealth management, you don't know what type of wolf or sheep you're going to come across. So with due diligence, I would recommend that you take some simple steps of educating yourself. First and foremost, educate yourself, rather it's a person or a company. You break that down, just like, like you said, Cole, it's a scouting report. You need to really go over that report because they it's out here for us to find out valid information, you know, with technology is, it, is plenty of ways, but, um, 
when you're thinking of allowing someone to manage your portfolio, and that's why I messed up in earlier years, um, we're having some dilemmas with, with management of my own portfolio. But then when I really had to take that hit, I understood what, how banks work with capital advisors, how capital advisors works with banks, how banks work with international banks and foreign exchange and foreign, foreign policy exchange. Um, you know, it really just comes back to you, the research, you know, doing your research, understanding if it's a referral base or if it's someone that have a reputable uh, resume or a reputable portfolio themselves that you would like to even take a dive into because they're, they're sometimes they're more than willing to show it and share it with you. If, if they're not a fraud, if they ain't a fraud, they don't have anything to hide. So I would definitely say, um, the due diligence is being patient, you know, don't jump until the first thing come to you. Everything gold ain't shining, you know, um, whatever it is that your, your heart is in it for focus on that type of investment. Don't go outside yourself. And just because we got X amount of dollars, doesn't mean we're supposed to spread it around to every investment um, opportunity out here. Take some time to research, take some time to learn the, the company and the individuals that you're working with before signing dotted lines or before going into, even be going, even before going into MOUs have multiple conversations before we share that type of information amongst each other. Because once you sign your line, man, it's like you, you damn near signing your life away um, to some degree because it's still going to hit your pockets. It's going to affect you. And if it's affecting you and if you have family or not, it's still affecting you. Now it's affecting your family because everyone has family. I, I should say, you know, we, we, we just don't know how everybody has that relationship with their family members, but you know, you got to think about others before you start to make these type of money moves. Um, and there's it's so many resources out here that that's uh, provided to us today. You know, just going through um, different type of conferences, going back to um, understanding certifications and what's the needs and what, what you don't need. You know, it's just like, like you said, man, it's just really being patient with that process learning it and if you studied it in college and you have some background in knowledge you may have a jump up earlier earlier hand in the game just by your education level but experience wise you want to look for or you want or you want to really target certified um, individuals that have a, a state number with it because that's when you know that they're liable and you always can be awarded whatever you lose but if it's someone that doesn't you you good as got so just take the patience to um, understand what your what's your purpose and why you looking to invest in what you're looking to invest in because there's so many options these days. Um, you don't have to be just these low risk. Now you got high risk. You don't have to be passive aggressive. You can be aggressive, but it 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 comes with time and everything comes with time. It's just like practicing. You don't be you don't become great without practicing. So we would never be great at investing if we don't practice. So I just leave it at that, man. Hopefully I was able to answer the question without yeah, saying sure. too much or too less. Nah, for sure. You definitely continue to drop gems, man. And um, one thing that I definitely want, I don't want to leave this call without having you articulate is, um, what is your purpose? You, you brought that up a little bit um, into, into nice conversation, but I want to ask you, know what is your purpose and what is your mission as you continue to talk about your projects uh, beyond the game the documentary connecting the gap the llc uh, what is your purpose jarvis my purpose in life is to continue to be a um a resource for i don't want to say everyone but everyone that needs a resource so and that resource can come from my own network, my own pocket, uh, my own circle of investors, my own connections to 125 institutions across the country, uh, parent support, student athletes, non-student athlete support. So it's just to bring economic integration back into society. 
So that's my purpose in life. And my passion behind it is to be able to see all of us just living, man. You know, it shouldn't be no poor. That's I just don't agree with this economy line of rich, poor, and wealth. You know, I just feel like that personally it shouldn't be poor, but that's just a very controversial topic. So I, I wanted to make that my own purpose and it became my passion because I'm I'm able to position myself to help others. And I think that's generally the reward is to see others succeed in life and be happy, man, and find love. You know, love encompasses all, whether we believe it or not. And I know men don't get on here and talk about love and they include that into what their passion and purpose is, but it's a part of mine. And I felt like I should share it because when you love what you do, you wouldn't love you wouldn't mind helping others that love what they're doing because you know that the reward is ultimately for the greater good than self. So that's that's truly my purpose, man. Man, that is truly inspiring, man. I definitely um I took away a lot of uh I took away a lot of notes uh, from the, all the gems that you dropped, man. And to continue to see someone like yourself to serve selflessly to give generously um, is truly commendable, man. And um, as we as we wrap things up, if if you had one last nugget, one last nugget that you want to drop for the listeners, man, to leave that impact of value on their lives, what would it be? That we all can design the life that we want to live if you believe with your heart, but you have to align your heart with your mind. When you align your heart with your mind, your soul come into place and with your soul in place, you can work on your spirit, man. With your spirit, man, you can work on humanity. And with humanity, there is your there is your monetary value because now you get to maximize your potential. You get to maximize your efforts. Therefore, there is no such thing as a loss. That's what I want to drop him with, and I want to leave you all with that. And Brandon, man, you did great. Bro, I'm so proud of you and all the accomplishments that you accomplish and you share with them a piece of what led you if they don't know but i still want the audience to hear why you continuously do what you do to promote to market to brand to also help us bridge these gaps for the world to see with our platforms please share that with us before we go please man I, man i thank you for for just for, for, for being so true and pure man so for me uh my, my purpose, my passion for doing what I'm doing is I believe that I, I have been blessed with uh, an abundance of gifts, an abundance of talent, but it all it is all for the glory of God. So I have all these gifts, but it wouldn't be anything if I was just doing it for self-gratification. Uh, and so for me, I understand I, I'm here to serve a bigger purpose than myself. I'm here to, for, for more than just to play on Sundays, I'm here for more than just to make an acquisition of this business or that business. It's all to serve, you know, none of this is mine. You know, this mm-hmm. is, this, mm-hmm. none of this is mine. I don't, this is, this is, I'm here to be a steward. I'm here yeah, to be a servant. And so I, yes, will continue, I will continue to do that um, the same manner in which you are. And that's why I think it was so great um, for us like-minded individuals to connect and to share our energy, to continue to inspire others, to continue to, you know, tap into our network and, and just motivate others to realize that they can look inside and recognize that they have that light inside of them to shine and let others see that, wow, it's something special about that person. It's something special about him or her. And I want to, I want, I want to figure out what that is inside of me. I know I have it inside of me. Uh-huh. And so, man, I think that's that's a part of what my purpose is, to let my light shine so that others may see that they have something inside of them to continue to reciprocate that same energy, man. Wow. Now, boss to that. Kudos to that. 100 to that. And that's what I'm talking about, because that right there is why are you attacked. You know, so we still bring yeah. it back, no matter what, how yeah, long, yeah. how far. No, you know what I'm saying? We still have that in line. And man, 
that was inspiring to me, man. And that and you left me with an abundance of joy because I'm happy and I'm proud of what you're doing, man. And I was honored to be here today and to connect with you again, man, on so many levels. I think it was phenomenal. And whatever you need from me to continue to get the movement, bro, you already know that's what I'm on. That's what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm still working on some other things for you behind the scenes. And we're going to still keep it going, man, to continue to inspire and allow others to find that uniqueness within. And we can leave it with that for now, man. For sure, man. For sure. It's, this ain't going to be the last time we connect. You already know that. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. You already know. You already you know. know, man. So for those for those who are interested in, man, continue to follow your story, continue to follow your success, man, how can they keep up with you? Um, At my LinkedIn, Jarvis Johnson. That's my LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm revamping my social media. But in the meantime, you can go on um, Connect the Gap and connect with us there. Drop a line. You know, drop your um, information there. One of our, myself or our team members may get back with you at Connect the Gap. And also Beyond the Game Film, you can follow us on LinkedIn, on our IG at Beyond the Game Film. You know, so we do have that one live still. But it's some other things that uh, we're just associating with Network Foundation. That's soon to come. And that that, that um, website will be live. And we'll be able to also connect there because we're putting together grant applications for anyone that's looking to be awarded some funds to a startup company. So please look for that in the near future, um, real soon. But in the meantime, you can um, connect with us at IG, Beyond the Game Film, and also Connect the Gap. So that's where it's at right there, man. And if anything, do it like the old days. If you know Brandon, you know me. Hey, Brandon, if they hit you, get them at me, man. That's a fact, that's a fact man. On behalf, on behalf For of real. Search Academy, man, Jarvis, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to have this intentional, purposeful conversation, man. And I know that the listeners were inspired and that they were uplifted from um, this conversation, man. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, B. Cole, man. Hold it down, man. And let's get back on it, man, sooner than later. Say no more, man. Until next time, remember, the power is within. Don't give in. That's straight from the soul. You know how I roll. Peace and love from Cole. Ooh, we out. <laughs> Say less. <laughs>